This is Life Made Better, a podcast from two coaches with a zest for not only their lives, but yours. In this series, Fleur and Lucia seek out tips, tools, and exercises to inspire you to achieve your dreams and goals. Join us and let's make life better. and welcome to another episode of Life Made Better, the podcast where we interview interesting people so they can share their paths, their journeys and their learnings with us. And today we've got another amazing guest, Ariana Dune. Ariana is a career multi-hyphenate for the past three years. She has been working for herself with several different businesses and revenue streams under her belt, ranging from coaching, recruitment, lecturing, training, consulting, selling, and even acts as the celebrant performing weddings and baby naming ceremonies. Ariana has a background in media sales. She has worked for some of the biggest publishing companies in the world, including the Daily Mail Group, Bauer Media, Telegraph Group, Dennis Publishing, Maximum Media, Joe Media, and later the Sheology. But after a particular stressful year at the height of her career, she suffered from burnout. And so she decided it was time for a change and retrain as a coach and has a diploma in life and business coaching and an accreditation with the IIOC as a celebrant. Ariana, two things. Thank you so much for being with us today. And please share with us how you managed to have such a bright portfolio. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure our listeners would love to hear more about your journey and how you managed to add so many things in your background. Thank you so much. Lovely to be on the podcast. And uh, Life Made Better is certainly something that I uh, uh, kind of align myself with now. Um, sorry, it seems like a lot in that intro. <laughs> Probably a bit confusing for a lot of people, but I suppose I'm just very, very fortunate to have been able to gain a lot of different experience in a lot of different things and feel passionate about a lot of different things in my life and have found a way over the last three years to do a little bit of everything uh, in such a way that I am enjoying the work that I do, the people that I meet, the skills that I can offer and make money doing it as well. So it's a it's a fortunate and privileged position to be in, I suppose. But I think everybody could be if, you know, we stopped being defined by the little boxes and the pigeonholes that people always want to put us into. So yeah, I suppose in terms of like how I how I kind of came to about to be so varied, as I mentioned, I did, did work in, I studied journalism in university. I kind of uh, was a journalist for a couple of years, sold myself to the devil, went down the commercial advertising route because I felt that was where there was a lot more money <laughs> to be made. But I still got to combine my editor, editorial skills um, in the first job that I had in Daily Mail and I kind of created supplements and features, travel supplements. Um, and I suppose that was a really good introduction for me into the world of kind of capitalism <laughs> because um, I was selling nothing essentially I was selling space I was selling uh, space in a magazine that didn't even exist at the time and people were buying it people were spending money doing that and it kind of was my first introduction to the idea that somewhere someone is willing to spend money for the skills that you have right and so that was a kind of a massive learning that I able to take take through to my life and three years later and yeah, over the years, then I lived in, in um, London. I worked in Bauer. So I, I worked in some incredible brands like um, FHM and Empire Magazine and Q Music Magazine and got to attend all these great parties and see the frivolous side of, <laughs> of, of media. But I, I was probably a member of the, the Skin Tarati. I don't know if you've heard of that expression. <laughs> <laughs> we were 
living it up, kind of eating out in Nobu and Gaichu and Hawksmoor and then coming home to our squalid little flats with no money, eating beans on toast for the weekend, you know, because we were entertaining our clients and, and living the kind of the high life. So that was really, really exciting. And I sort of, you know, honed a lot of my sales skills and my skills of meeting people and chatting to people and being interested in people. Eventually, after a couple of years in London, I moved home to Ireland and um, I started working with Maximum Media, which was the biggest digital publishing company in Ireland at the time and still now. And they had some four big brands and they were having millions and millions of of people coming onto the website um, every day. And um, I became the head of sales there. And uh, I suppose that was where my journey to burnout sort of started. Uh, When I joined the company, there was about 54 people. And the the year before I had joined, the company made like 3.2 million in revenue the year that I was there we went from to seven million in revenue we doubled the company to like 120 I doubled my sales team the company just went on this huge huge journey we launched in the UK and I really just gave my all to the job and to the business and was working 14 15 hour days was not sleeping wasn't really eating started to get lumps in my arms which I went to the doctor about and was told that it was stress coming out of my body which was terrifying and yeah I remember just kind of a couple of mornings driving to work in my little sports car I was you know I was having like earning loads of money and living in a beautiful apartment and everything was on the outside looked kind of great but I remember driving my car to work and kind of hoping I could just crash it for you know to be in a car accident so I could just go to hospital for a couple of weeks and just have a break you know (laughs) which is never a good sign and so I basically had gone to a mental health talk that ironically enough joe.ie had put on for its readers and um, it was there that uh, uh, if you're a fan of podcasts the blind boy podcast is a huge podcast Mm. blind boy from the rubber bandits was actually there speaking standing in front of me with a plastic bag on his face (laughs) look him up if you don't know what i'm talking about and he basically just said if there's anyone in the audience who has a passion for something and they feel that they're not fulfilling that passion just go and do it and uh, so the next day i quit my job um, and i booked into a writers and artists retreat in the south of france for for three months and wanted to write a book and get back to my creative kind of uh, ways of being and yeah it was there that I kind of reanalyzed reassessed and decided that this was not the kind of life I wanted to lead anymore and I needed to kind of figure out a a new new path so that is an amazing path isn't it and what I'm hearing and it's something that's quite close to our heart because we've just ran a retreat called awaken our inner power Mm. and that is getting back to our truth Mm -hmm. and unfortunately sometimes we have to go through this kind of dark tunnel before we awaken and before and it actually the awakening is normally when we suffer yes it's normally when and fortunately as well it's normally when our body starts suffering not our mind our mind can keep telling us to keep going keep doing what society expects the nice car the nice flat you're looking good on the outside and inside you're screaming in pain that you're not feeling good yeah yeah absolutely and it seems to be only when people suffering gets so much and they are also at a space when they hear some wisdom which is sounds like the mental health talk for you yeah that you make that transition and go enough's enough and it's great that you said enough's enough before it got even worse because what we're hearing from a lot of our clients and people that reach out to us it it can get to even a worse stage before, you know, they've got a lump in their in their breast or they've passed out at work or they have actually crashed their car. Mm. 
Mm. And then they go, okay, enough's enough. Mm-hmm. So can you tell us more about what happened on that, that writing retreat when you went back to your kind of roots? Yeah, and so I mean, you know, and like it, it does all sound so sort of dramatic when we talk about burnout, but burnout, I suppose, you know, the real definition of burnout is when you've just got nothing left, you know, and it's just, you're just wasted. You're just, you're just, you've got nothing left to give and you start to not recognize yourself. And I think that's what I started to do. I, was, I became a total bitch you know like I wasn't I didn't like myself you know with the people that I worked with I was I was horrible I was demanding I expected so much I expected so much of myself we were doing hugely well we were being really successful but it wasn't fulfilling and um as I said, I had studied journalism, I'd studied creative writing and, and I, I sort of sold myself to the devil, went down the advertising route and I always felt a little bit sort of guilty about that. I had started a dating blog because <laughs> uh, when I lived in London, I had been um, still single, I was single, I'm still single, um, but I had been on those Tinder dates and Tinder was kind of new in Ireland and I started this dating blog called Swipe Right Top Blog and it had started getting a lot of traction and a lot of people and people from all over the world and people were sort of sharing it within their workspaces and things like that and it really reminded me of what I really loved which was writing and people were kind of complimenting me on my writing skills so so sort of combined with this um, whole burnout situation mm-hmm. I remembered what I what I was interested in what I loved and um, and writing was one of them and seven years previously I had read in an article about this place called La Mousse in La Bastide de Spabarenc in this tiny little village in in, in near Carcassonne France 54 people live there it's uh, it's in a valley it's it's just absolutely beautiful it's completely off grid you know if you go any any five feet from the house there's no wi-fi um, um, and I had read about this place and I remember thinking at the time, one day I'm going to go there. And this one day, one day, one day, one day was always just kind of, you know, hanging in over my head until this one day came um, and I quit my job. And I, you know, the next day booked into Lamus in 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 in, um, in, in, Car- in France. So I went there. Actually, it's my birthday on the 16th of June and I arrived on the 16th of June. It was my 35th birthday, the day that I arrived there. And um, I, it was just incredible. I lived in a tiny little rose cottage um, by myself. And the, the main house of Lamuse had all these different people from all over the world, from Australia, from America, from France, from England, Ireland, all come. All of them were writers, artists, painters, jewellery makers. We had a beautiful studio. And because I was staying there for a longer period of time people were coming for three week retreats you know kind of there was a bit of a turnover I was there for longer so I had my own little cottage and and it was um just so beautiful and there was a a source like where we'd go and get water every day la source so we'd go down and we'd fill up our water bottles and there was the stream and there was these blue dragonflies and there was insects and birds and things that you just don't see when you're living in (laughs) when you're living in the city you know it was like wow look at all this noise and 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 there was all these old people like digging in their gardens and pulling out like fresh um, courgette flowers and having them for their lunch and I used to buy my eggs from the 84 year old woman called Madeline who had a, who had some hens and you know I'd buy my fresh eggs for her it was like wow and all the while back home um, and and back in the UK, Brexit was about to be happening, Trump was campaigning, you know, there was all this kind of craziness going on in the world. And I was just in an ideal situation and in an idyllic, beautiful place where, where nothing else mattered except just to write 
eat cheese, eat bread, drink wine, and just have wonderful conversations. And um, and because I met all these amazing people, a lot of people were kind of interested in my opinion, interested in my corporate background, interested in what I had to say. And it reminded me that throughout my whole career, I had a lot of people coming to me all the time asking me for advice. You know, I'm one of eight children. I'm in the middle. I've got four older sisters, three younger brothers. I come from a big family where we all talk a lot. Um, and I've always been quite articulate and able to kind of, you know, form my ideas and make them come out of my mouth. So what I kind of realized during this time as well was that coaching and helping people and helping people to kind of figure out what it is that they wanted to do with their lives. And also to prevent anyone from feeling what I had felt in terms of being burnt out. And also when I became a manager, I realized that nobody was coming to me asking me for pay rises. You know, none of the people who I was managing were coming to me and kind of like looking for for more, which I couldn't understand because I had asked for a pay rise in every job that I had ever been in. And I got one. Right. And I was like, what's happening? Was Why is no one else doing that? So I was kind of getting pay rises for people on a meritocracy basis, but realized that there was just some complete lack of confidence in a lot of people. And that was something that I wanted to try and help people with in the corporate space but also just to to impart you know what I had experienced and also just um just to just carve a different path for myself so I, I wrote a lot I didn't finish my book I'm still writing it that's that's a thing that I have on my shoulder to 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 deal with but I just had an amazing time and uh, it was an experience that I'll never ever uh, regret or forget and when I came home to Ireland then that's when this kind of path and this journey into working for myself started Mm. What I'm loving here, and there's so many things that I love here, and so I'm going to try and call the few out, is that on the one hand, you had the driving decision to turn one day into day one, which is fantastic. But also, as it frequently happens, when, you are, when we allow ourselves to return to essence, uh, then magical things start happening And also when you start surrounding yourself with like-minded people, with that creative people in your case, that is what you were seeking, then creativity starts showing up, opportunities start showing up. And I think that's the magic and the beauty that we tend to forget frequently because we are in autopilot. So it's like, this is the set path. This is what I suppose and I you know quote unquote supposed to be doing mm-hmm. we allow ourselves to just be submerged in that path but we're actually what I'm hearing is when you get that sort of spark or you know that kick in the bum that for you was that mental health talk then you start turning things around so I wonder because it takes a lot of guts to do that like you know a lot of people will carry on having that they will start mm. hearing the bodies the minds not going quiet and saying this is not what you're meant to do so I wonder if we could have like you know top three tips or three ways in which you can spot those things that are priming you or triggering you so people that could be in a sort of similar position than what you were could be like oh okay I'm experiencing this maybe I should do x y and z Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, I think there's always a niggle. There's always a niggling feeling if you if you've been doing so if you're doing something that you're not passionate about, and that passion will always find a way to kind of come to the fore, you know. And I think, you know, we we often sort of push that niggle down because, as you say, it doesn't fit in with the autopilot of the way that life should be, and you know, we don't often kind of like reassess and look back and take a bird's eye view of our life and kind of see, you know, what are we doing. All this for and I think that's what I sort of did as well because I was earning probably the most money that I'd ever earned but I couldn't spend it because I was working all the time right and I was like suddenly it was like well, what am I what am I doing this for what is this money actually for and we we go to college we study a degree we get our first job we get our first salary we stay in it for a couple of years we go up a couple of levels we ask what our friends and our peers are on but we don't actually know what we're earning that money for right it just becomes a number that we're then kind of like chasing so i think you know for me a, a big thing was being able to kind of ask and answer the question what is enough and what is too much so if you're in a similar situation that i am and you're thinking about kind of leaving your job and you're worried about money and things like that forget about the number forget about the number or the salary that you've been earning actually ask yourself what is it that i need in order how much money do i actually need in order to pay my bills pay my mortgage put food on the table whatever that is right and once you find that number and it's probably a lot less than what you actually think because you can then start to kind of budget and take away from that even right but even if it's just in the in the, in, the, in, the, in the first instance and if you can kind of fulfill your passion or do what it is that you're passionate about and still have that enough number in your hand right then just do it then just go for it okay because there's no there's nothing to kind of worry about there and then you can kind of ask like what is too much right because sometimes people want to kind of leave and, and get their jobs and then they they start thinking about like the big picture you know on how much man they start like i'm gonna have to work 100 hours a week in order for this to be successful you know if that is too much then reassess that as well and kind of like we have such power within us to create the life that we want to live and no one's telling us what to do we just have to have an idea about you know what is enough and what is too much so so kind of figure figuring that out looking at what that number is and and stop being kind of ostriches in the sand uh, you know about money as well because i think that's often what what a lot of people tend to be as we tend to not really look at money and at the end of the day that's what we all do business for that's what we all have a job for right it's it, most of it, unless it's a vocation like you know a, a nurse or, or a priest or whatever most of us do it in order to earn to earn money so kind of like yes sitting back and seeing what that is also i suppose for me and it, it was evidenced in the intro i do lots of different things right so you know if you are passionate about something and you want to do something that isn't what you're currently doing Try and see what other things that you could make revenue from, right? You know, look at all the skills that you have in your armor. Don't put all of your eggs in one basket. And, you know, it could be simple things like, when I first started working for myself and I was doing all these different things, I'm, I got a dog because I'd wanted to have a dog for ages, right? And obviously when you work 14 hours a day, you can't have a dog. So, you know, that was what I did. I got Molly and she's sitting here beside me now. And the first time I brought her up to the dog park, 
she started playing with another puppy and that puppy's owner came over to me and we started chatting and um, turns out that she lived nearby me and she had uh, worked full time and she was worried about how, you know, the dog was going to be on its own. And I said, well, I live nearby and I'm going to be walking Molly so I can do dog walking for you. So within a day, she'd give me a key to her house and I had agreed 120 euros a month to walk her dog while I was walking my dog. So I was getting paid to walk my dog, basically. And the two dogs are best friends. Um, and that paid for my car in loan every month, right? So it's like, it's things like that. It's like, it's like looking around at what you have in your armor and trying to decide, okay, if I want to leave my well-paying job to do whatever, open up a pizza truck, right? What, what else can you do with the skills that you have that means you're not so reliant on just one source of income? Mm. what I'm hearing a lot and something we try obviously all of us to do with our clients is go from this victim consciousness to this creator consciousness so when we're in that victim mode we're blaming we're saying it's not possible we're, we're finding all of the obstacles but when you're in that creator consciousness you are looking for what is possible and how you can make it possible because we do create the life we want to we want to live and what I'm also hearing is that when you went off to your retreat you got still and you got more quiet and I think when people get more still and they get more quiet they go back to the truth of what is really important to us and we have been conditioned by society to think we need all of these things and actually it becomes like an imprisonment instead of fulfillment and happiness and peace which is what we all really really want we don't need all these things that then become even harder for us to live in our truth so what I'm hearing you say is to tell people to get still and quiet to start with and then and also knowing that they do have the power not to be in that victim consciousness but actually create the life that they want to live which assumes you have Absolutely, absolutely. I, I, I was very fortunate when I came back and I, I decided to get a job for, for a, a, I was in geology. I decided to become the CCO there for two years. And I told them in the interview, I'm not going to work 12 hour days. I'm going to finish work at five o'clock every evening. Um, I'm going to give you 100% in the time that I'm here. But other, otherwise, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to go beyond that. I'm not going to go to burnout again. And they were like, okay. <laughs> No problem. It's like, great. You know, and that's the thing. People think they can't say these things, you know, and, 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 and no, you can. This is your, you set the agenda, right? If if you are quality enough of a, of, a, of a person and a candidate for them to hire, then, you know, you can say these things and you have to believe in your abilities and your ability to, to get what you want from life. But I wanted to buy an apartment. I, I, I hadn't owned my own apartment and I and I knew that if I started working for myself, it would be very difficult because it's very difficult to get a mortgage when you, you know, work for yourself and you know you need to have all these like three years worth of tax returns and all that stuff. So one of the big things that I that I in my did my coaching training, which is why I'm, I teach coaching now. I'm a huge advocate for coaching, and I have lots of coaching private clients and corporate clients, and I really adore it. So it's, it's an amazing transformative thing to, to invest in for yourself but one of the um when I was training to be a coach that first weekend we did peer-to-peer coaching and we had to identify a goal so I said I want to buy apartments <laughs> and they were like okay what are you gonna do but I was like well I don't have any money because I spent all my money in the retreat um you know when I was took that time off I took six months off in total because I went to LA as well and um which I wouldn't recommend going to a beautiful place like South France and then going to LA it's like 
totally what a contrast <laughs> oh it was uh, I, I remember when I went to LA my sister lives in LA and I went she brought me into a restaurant and I thought something had happened to my taste buds like genuinely I was like oh my god I've lost my sense of taste and it was because it's all the processed crap that they serve in, 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 in America in comparison to the fresh produce that was like literally pulled from the ground that I'd been eating in, in France you know it was a, 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 incredible but yeah, so like I had I had eight grand in the bank and that was all that I had. Um, and I said, I want to be I want to buy a house. Basically, two days later, I was and I put it out to the universe. And this is what I always say. Two days later, I was on my phone and a mortgage calculator came up on my phone. And because I had just had the conversation and I had it was in my mind, I said, oh, OK, let me just click on that, see what happens. Clicked on the mortgage calculator with this bank. And I said, if I had 30,000, I don't. But if I did, would I get a mortgage? And it came back and said, yes, you would qualify for X amount, okay? So the next day, the Big Brother style, the guys from the banks called me up and they were like, hello, Miss Dunn, we noticed that you're on the banking app. Uh, do you have any questions for us? And I said, well, no, not really. I don't have any money. I don't have enough money. And they said, well, have you applied for the Help to Buy scheme with the government? Because they give grants to first-time buyers. And I said, no, actually, I haven't I haven't done that. I haven't looked into it. And so they said, well, you might, you might as well give it a go. So I went into my office two minutes later, clicked onto the form, onto the revenue.ie and typed in I had to submit all these p21 forms I didn't know what the hell it was just click 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 and then it said yeah you've qualified for a grant of nine and a half grand so suddenly I went from having eight thousand to seventeen and a half thousand and then a few days later I was on my banking app on my phone and I saw four and a half thousand was in my account and I was like what's this and I looked and it was from the revenue commissioners for overpayment of tax from 2015 that I didn't know about because I hadn't submitted my p21 forms so now I had twenty two and a half thousand and then three days later my bosses called me into the office and said that I had gotten a tax-free bonus of 6,000 for hitting my quarter three targets. So I had 28,500 in the space of one week from me having said in coaching that I wanted to buy an apartment. And two months later, I bought my apartment, right? So now that's a series of amazing and fortunate events. Okay, I, I do understand that, right? But it also would never have happened had I not put myself into that mind frame of I want to buy an apartment. I would never have happened if I hadn't have clicked on that mortgage calculator and just asked the question what if like what if this was possible you know and I think we we are so confined sometimes by the goals that we set ourselves that have to be achievable or realistic or whatever and like they they don't you know they, they the more unrealistic the better actually and the more unachievable the better and um, and we just have to be open to those kind of like possibilities of letting these amazing things come into your life and as you say that that victim mentality because I remember telling that story recently to this couple, well, I was in with a group of people and there was a couple there and this girl, she shut me down and she said, oh my God, stop telling that story. And I was like, right, it's hard, really? And she was like, yeah, like, I mean, it's really like we're trying to buy a house and we're not going to get one and it's so expensive and we can't get a mortgage and we'll never get a mortgage. And I was like, well, yeah, you're right. You'll never get a mortgage with that attitude, <laughs> you know? Absolutely. <laughs> Well, why can't you think about how I can get a mortgage? What extra job can I get? Where could I get? You know, like it's just this, as you say, this victim mentality that people just live their lives by and don't kind of see what can they do and just be open to that possibility and that what if I think is really, really important. Where do you get that though, Ariana? Because normally that that kind of being that creator kind of mentality comes from childhood where you've seen people be able to create from nothing. I mean, I was lucky I had that as well. My mum built their own houses and she was very, I can do kind of attitude. Where, where do you get that from? 
Well, I mean, it's, I know this is a short podcast because that's a long story, but when my dad had been let down by a friend who was supposed to help us out and I was born in the 80s, there was this massive roller coaster of kind of money. I came from a family of love though, you know, we were loved and we were praised. I was raised on praise is what I always say, you know, I was always told we could do anything and be anything that we want to do. So I never saw money as being something that, you know, to be contained by money was something that came and went. You earned it and you didn't, you know, and that it was something that happened I suppose, as opposed to, I was never sort of in that secure bubble of, 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 but also, and I suppose this is kind of an interesting thing. When I was 18, my friends and I went to, went to a, a, a fortune teller, clairvoyant. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I know I, I'm into it. Some people aren't. <laughs> totally fine. Um, and um, she we, it was with a deck of playing cards. It wasn't tower cards. It was playing cards. And she did the reading for all my friends. And she told us all this stuff. And there was a guy that I was in love with. And she knew all about him and all this, you know, all these things. But with me, what happened was in my choosing of the 12 cards from the deck, I chose the four aces. And she basically said that that was really rare. And she made this big deal about it in front of all my friends. And she said, you know, you've got the four aces. And she said, it's it's, it's super rare. And what it means is you'll be successful. From a career point of view, you'll be successful in everything that you do throughout your whole life. And at 18, at that impressionable age, I fully believed her. And I allowed that kind of belief to seep down into my subconscious mind and my subconscious mind drove that so so fast forward sort of 22 years when I was thinking about working for myself and launching my own business I had this voice that said I'll be successful at whatever I do I'll be successful at whatever I do and so that really helped me and so whether she was a fortune teller and actually told my fortune or whether it was just simply the placebo effect of that of that amazing kind of sentiment that she passed on to me it really helped me to kind of propel myself forward and I think that's just really really important to know you don't need a fortune teller that's self-talk you know we can all tell ourselves and believe in ourselves enough to get what it is that we want so yeah I mean that's kind of it's it's a longer story <laughs> to be honest it's a longer deeper story but yeah I suppose a couple of different, different things it's really, really I, could, fun. I could feel that belief. Yeah. <laughs> and what I love hearing about that, and I think like, you know, as coaches, we, we see that a lot and quite, you know, frequently we sort of become that client's fortune teller in the sense that, yes. we, you know, we hold that space for the person that is in front of us. And at times when they are lacking that belief and lacking that I am not going to be able to do it, we do hold that space to remind them that, yes, they do have what it takes to get there. And I think we tend to always see how much of a benefit it does to have somebody out there that believes in you no matter what. And I want to make a differentiation in saying we believe in you to put in the pressure on you. Yes. Because um, I think we also need to be aware that we are to be made accountable of whatever we choose to do in life, but also know that we can choose what we want to do in life, which is yeah. quite tricky. Sometimes we, as we were saying at the beginning, we think that, you know, it's just the autopilot. We want to go with whatever has been so set culture wise and choosing makes it, you know, it becomes a bit trickier. So thank you for sharing that part yeah. of the story. I think, you know, <laughs> it might be the spark that people 
might have been in need of listening to today. Yeah, and, and 100% look, we're all coaches here. And I think you're absolutely right. That for me is the big thing, the biggest thing for me now. Like I style myself a little bit on being a confidence coach, just giving someone confidence to sort of the people. Some people come to me and they, they're, you know, being made redundant or they're crying and they don't have any confidence in themselves. And by the end of the four sessions with me or whatever, they they have this renewed sense of confidence. They believe in themselves. And, they, and that, again, like it's the same effect as the fortune teller had on me just helping as someone to see themselves through a different set of eyes and, and letting them know that they are seen and they are heard and that they have all these these great abilities to be whoever they want to be and I think that's the most wonderful beautiful thing about coaching especially when you think of that you know we have got negative bias so we can't always see all those positive biases and you know all the beautiful capabilities and skills and strengths we've got so having a coach in your corner is super, super important. So we're going to ask you the ultimate question. Mm. Can you do it in a sentence? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> how? how? <laughs> I think you're going to struggle, Ariana. <laughs> you can do a paragraph. <laughs> how have you made your life better? Oh, my life has been made better just because of the, the the choices that I've made that have given me the freedom to do what it is that I love and passionate about, that help other people and that allow me to live the life I want to lead. That's what that's it is in a, in a sentence. It's giving me the freedom and seeing the freedom that I have, I suppose. And and even in lockdown, COVID, wow, that's been amazing. That was that I've had a I've had a great year. Sorry to everybody that's had a terrible year, but it's been really good for to even again slow down, find that stillness again, you know, and not have to worry about saying yes or no to anything, just just being. And I suppose that year of awakening that's happened for people has meant my businesses have all flourished because people are coming looking for answers and looking for new ways of doing things things so yeah I've made my, my my life better by not allowing myself to be restricted doing what I love um, and helping other people I think that's that's the that's the biggest thing about it isn't it it's that the joy that you can give to another person by simply just being the offering the skills that you have I'm loving that. Thank you, Ariana. Um, I'm sure after this chat, a lot of people would be wanting to connect with you. I'll make sure that we put that on, on the notes. So it's just one click away. But if you can let us know where they can connect with you. Yeah, so it's simple. Um, I have a website, arianadunn.com, www.ariana, A or I A N A, like Ariana Grande. Bitch, tell my name. I was just me before she came along. Now everybody's like Ariana. Um, so arianadunn, D U N N E.com is my website address. You can also find me on LinkedIn. I'm I do a lot of my business, a lot of my work, a lot of my commentary via LinkedIn. Um, so uh, please connect with me there. And I'm also um, ask underscore Ariana Dunn on Instagram. Um, I have a coaching column with Irish Country Magazine and my column in the magazine is called Ask Ariana. So um, hence the hence the Instagram name as well. So several different ways you can find me. We'll make sure that we put those on the notes. And thank you so much, Ariana, for being with us today and sharing such a beautiful journey. Please carry on sparking that shining light around all, all those that you touch. It's, it's a beautiful energy. And thank you for sharing it with us today. Thank you very, very much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. And to all of us tuning in one more week and listening and joining the Life Make Better family, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. And please continue to do so. We release one episode every week. So tune in every Monday. Subscribe if you want to be alerted. And please share the love if you hear an episode that sparks a light within you and you think will be beneficial for somebody else to listen to. Please share, keep joining, leave a review if you can. 
and we shall see you next week until then please stay safe stay sane and stay inspired we'll see you next week